Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. Hey everyone, it's Mario Peshev here with your show, No BS Engineering. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Evans. Kyle, say hi to everyone. Hi, everybody. And we are going to talk about career challenges and career tips and tricks for IT professionals in the industry. Uh, this is our, I believe, 14th episode, I believe, I guess. I'm well, not... if you count the um, coming soon episode, yes, this is 14. I know it says 14 on the screen, but this will actually be number 13. So lucky 13. Yes. Woo-hoo. Yeah, lucky 13. And also, you know, all developers start with zero. So essentially, it's number 14, at least in my agenda. But um, eventually, what we want to talk about today is how to prepare your learning suit for weekly career ball meaning how to utilize and maximize your time on a weekly basis to get better and better and better at what you do. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the most common problems we are dealing with when we face people from the IT industry is that some people occasionally they get to a roadblock or they get to a place where they say, well, I know enough or my resources have depleted or any other resources that I'm trying to utilize isn't really helping me out as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And you really need to rely on abstract thinking. You really need to rely on a paradigm, on a schedule per se, that is going to improve you from a career standpoint pretty much on a weekly basis, which is why we've kind of gathered some thoughts and some ideas for developers of all sorts, from interns and juniors up to really advanced developers who believe they're almost reached, they have almost reached the ceiling. And we really hope that this is going to be useful to you as a result. The first one and the number one tip I'm going to give is subscribe to enough technical blogs that are aligned with your needs and your interests. By needs and interests, I mean there are different sorts of blogs out there. And for those of you who aren't really into blogging, well, yes, blogs are still alive. Based on the latest series <laughs> we read, there are about 1 billion blogs out there, wow. meaning that there's one blog for seven people on the planet, or they're probably going to become eight people soon, but you get the point. And with that many resources, it's really easy to find helpful and valuable information for your specific programming language or a framework or a CMS or a platform or an operating system or anything that you're diving with at the moment. Now, first off, you can start to tackle this head on and look for the right resources by software architects, by industry influencers, by other experts in the field who are altering content on that matter. And additionally, you can also target tangible matters. Like if you're a web developer, just an example, You can also learn and subscribe to the Nginx blog because it's one of the most popular web servers out there or Mm -hmm. to MySQL or Oracle or uh, Postgres or whatever it is. You you can get the complementing stack and just learn a lot more on a daily basis or a couple, three times a week. Just get up to speed with the latest enhancements, latest improvements and features and everything on the market. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's not intrusive. You can... Uh, pull up Feedly or another RSS reader, subscribe to 20 blogs, and just read the daily news just as you otherwise read the newsletter in the morning while commuting to work. Kyle, what are your best tips on finding the suitable blogs and in general resources for people who uh, want to keep advancing in their career? Um, 
Well, I'm sad to say Twitter kind of killed the RSS feed. Um, and I was, I used to say Twitter is my new RSS feed, but that's not true either anymore. Um, I, I look for what other people are reading. Um, I've got a, a good friend over in the UK, Rob Allen. And uh, whenever I see Rob tweet out a article of, you know, anything technical, number one, I immediately go read it because Rob's smarter than me. So I want to be reading the stuff that he's reading, but I'll also bookmark that blog so I can come back to it on a regular basis. And um, because RSS has kind of gone out of style, I actually, uh, I take and aggregate a bunch of blogs into one feed and tweet them out under um, Daycamp for Developers. Um, so if you follow Daycamp for Developers, Daycamp for Developers um, aggregates about 30 blogs, maybe 40 blogs that are mostly PHP and PHP related. Um, you know, and so they'll, they'll constantly tweet out new articles um, four or five times a day. And so you know, I, I, I look for new blogs that I can put in that. And then all I have to do is follow that account. And that gives me everything, I, everything that I know of. Now, uh, like I said, that's constantly evolving. Um, but the, the, your point is valid, no matter how you find them, because um, discovery is the hard part on these things. But no matter mm -hmm. how you find them, you need to be reading a lot. Um, they, they, in the, in, when you're writing fiction, they say that great writers read more than they write. So mm -hmm. the same is true for programmers. Great programmers read more code and read more about techniques and constantly learn more and spend more time on this than they do actually writing code. You've got to constantly be sharpening that saw and reading blogs and stuff like that. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, your Twitter point actually makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people are actually trying to get informed via Facebook. I believe it's a hack. I'm not buying that, but I can understand how this is actually possible at the end of the day. See, I use Facebook differently than most other people. Facebook yeah. is just for my family. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of non-family members on Facebook. So Facebook for me is a whole different experience. But LinkedIn, now I know you're very active on LinkedIn and um, this podcast is posted every week on LinkedIn. And I see more and more of my business and some of my technical is now coming from LinkedIn. Uh, Dave Stokes over at MySQL posts yeah. weekly about MySQL, what's going on, new tutorials, things like that. And uh, we have a group, uh, the PHPC group, the PHP community. And every time I see anything that is even related to PHP, I'll go over and post it in there so that there, everybody, you know, if that's all you're looking for, you can go there. We, we don't allow recruiters. We don't have a lot of discussions in there. It's mainly just things that people have found um, and found interesting to PHP developers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a good alternative. And additionally, since, uh, you know, since those resources are, well, they're not scarce, but as you just said, they're really hard to find. Uh, that means that you can really tap into different sorts of of resources that would be helpful in terms of finding the right information about your specific technology. And one other way to approach that is actually looking into podcasts because podcasts are something that is uh, much more relevant nowadays. They are trying to replace radio for the most part and it's a lot more possible because more and more cars come with, let's say Bluetooth or even some yeah. form of wireless connection. Uh, internet is a lot more affordable. Internet speeds are actually making it possible to transmit radio on the fly while you're on the highway, which is incredible. 
you get free Wi-Fi on some trains or buses. So all we know, podcasts are nowadays possible and they weren't that common back in the day. I've stumbled upon different programming podcasts, which are uh, super handy. They are covering different technologies or different paradigms or different concepts. I don't have a favorite one to be completely honest, but I've tried at least 20 and I'm still subscribed to four or five of those. Some of them are a bit lengthier. Like I remember uh, listening about something that I've actually studied at university, but just sorting algorithms. And there was a almost two hour long show by two or four guys that were discussing those algorithms and like which one is applicable, which situation, what are the pros and cons. Like, it was stuff that I've already said at the university, but it was so engaging that I was driving on the highway for a couple hours. And that's the show I was listening to. I said, well, yeah. that's handy. You know, you may, you actually have this part now that back when I studied at the university, this wasn't a problem that was available. But now you have, let's say, microservices, you have this, you need, you have to do um, kind of priority queue of users into something like Slack and so on. So some of those concepts can be reinvented and some of them are actually reinvented in podcasts. More importantly, podcasts are great for other reasons. Some of them are featuring guests. And if you enjoy a podcast or two that feature guests every single week, then the guests that you enjoy are probably going to be folks who have blogs, folks who have written books, are authoring something else, or have other form of online presence or resources they have produced over time. So this is kind of your free pass to the life of someone you're enjoying, life of someone within the community. You learn about that. If you like them, you can <laughs> track them down in a non-creepy way and consume all the invaluable information that they have produced already. That's an excellent point. Hey, um, obviously I love podcasts. Um, I've been podcasting since 2006. Um, and have had a podcast since then. Um, although back then I was working for Zend and I had, uh, I think we called it PHP Abstract and it was totally guessed. There was very little me in that one. Um, I did one called 60 Second Tech and the episodes cool. were literally one minute long and I took one minute and explained a concept. That was, you know, that was a, a technical concept in layman's terms. Um, and that takes a lot more work than you would think. <laughs> so that one only, I only produced about 20 episodes of that one and said, no, I'm not doing this. But, uh, you know, these days I publish two and, you know, I, I believe that the podcasting platform is great, but you're right. That's another great way to discover blogs that you want to read. And, um, you know, again, you just need to have a, a, a way to um, keep track of those. And Feedly is a great one. Um, like I said, I use, uh, I, I create my own feed aggregator, but that's because, you know, I, I want to be able to send this stuff out because there are times when I'm just sitting at the computer and um, I, I don't have anything pressing to do and something will come up, uh, you know, Daycamp will publish something that looks interesting. So I'll okay, well, let me go read that. And it's totally a random blog that I never would have um, read on a regular basis, but the topic was interesting to me. Um, so, uh, you know, I, that was one of the reasons that I, I set this up was to, to constantly refresh me um, mm -hmm. because like I said, now it's up to um, 30 or 40 blogs that's aggregating. I don't read all those blogs every week, oh, but yeah. Um, yeah, podcasts are a, uh, a, a, a podcasts are growing in popularity and mm -hmm. uh, that's why I love doing these things and hope that it is, um, it is helping someone, but it's also a great discovery tool for other content that I want to consume. You know, believe it or not, I actually forgot we are just recording a podcast right now. I would have given it as an example. I totally 
blanked on this one at some point. I said, well, yeah, you're actually authoring podcasts. And then I was like, well, no, we are not just chatting here, like trying to brainstorm some stuff. We are actually recording, which is super awesome. Well, but see, we also sit around and just brainstorm about stuff. Yeah. So, you know, there's a real blurry line there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's another content strategy. You know, just sit down with friends and brainstorm and record it. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it's going to turn into a podcast or a vlog or a show. So, you know, I've seen some, I've seen some experts, actually, they're kind of... Uh, no, it's not like bored of life or so, but they're like, okay, like I'm, I'm working 12 hours a day or so, I'm successful, yada, yada. I want to educate, but what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to play a PlayStation game with a friend. We're going to sit on a couple of couches, but we're also going to set up a camera and basically do a podcast or do a show while we are gaming, yeah. which is a very interesting concept. You know, it's kind of a no BS filter, just as our show here. And just something that doesn't have to go through a specific agenda or a specific schedule is just more about thinking through specific problems and brainstorming real time and trying to analyze the thinking process of someone, not just how, not just what they ended up with as a conclusion, but the thinking process behind this, which sometimes is even more valuable than the answer. You know, it's like uh, solving math problems and you don't really need the result to get your exam. You need to figure out the solution that concludes with this result. So, yeah, podcasts are definitely a thing. Um, something else that um, it, it's actually this next topic is sparked from a question I saw on Quora about a year and a half ago. Someone said, well, with so many blogs and articles and magazines, why do we need books? And I actually wrote a lengthy answer. Um, it would have been good if I remembered that now. But, but if I have to, to recollect my thoughts, Books are something that gives you a lot more in-depth, even a lot more extensive knowledge onto a subject with a large sheet of practical examples structured in a better, more organized manner so that it repeats a concept long enough, continuously enough, with so many examples that you really get the full picture behind a certain problem. If you read an article on machine learning, it's one thing, even if you read like five articles, but there's this uh, guy, I believe his name was uh, Andriy Brukov, uh, who was in one of the large magazines, I believe. I really wish I could remember those things. But he wrote the 100-page machine learning book about a year ago. Wow. And I bought it, and it's very valuable. And it's just packed with insights. You know, to write 100 pages, you actually need to gather enough data to compile your thoughts chapter by chapter with a handful of available examples in order to, to finalize the, the working title. Yeah. And um, I remember like back my first book that I co-authored was actually authored over a decade ago. It was an introduction to programming with Java. And I was only in charge of the chapters for strings. And even though it was uh, merely 20 pages or so, it took me many, many weeks to author those 20 pages. I had to work on code samples. I had to to work through the rest of the book to connect the dots and actually align exactly. the, the trail process from the previous chapter, concluding with an intro to the next chapter, uh, to form those examples properly, to set up some tasks like homework assignments for people after that. So it took a good probably five to six weeks to actually just alter those 20 pages. There was oh, yeah. just one of the chapters in the book that was... Mm, I don't know, maybe six, seven hundred pages, 
Wow. So a pretty extensive guide, right? And yeah, books just require a lot more know-how. And in software engineering, there are tons of wonderful books. Regardless of whether you're a junior or a senior developer, you can start with basic introductory and afford them these books. And you can end up with the Pragmatic Programmer bookshelf because they have like over a dozen wonderful books. You can uh, go for Uncle Bob. You can go for Martin Power and Enterprise Design Patterns. You can do the Gang of Four and just understand more design patterns better. Essentially, there are hundreds of incredible books for even for senior engineers and software architects as well. Kyle, yeah. what are some of the books that you really remember as something that's kind of memorable or you would recommend eventually? Oh, I, that's easy. Um, I was recommending this book to um, a junior programmer uh, last night who is diving deep into SQL. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's probably 10, 15 years old, but uh, SQL for Smarties by Joe Selko. Mm-hmm. Love that book, um, mainly because... It assumes that you have a working knowledge of SQL and it's like, okay, I'm not going to teach you SQL. I'm going to teach you the, 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 the design patterns and the code that you need to do the difficult things with SQL. Um, and it's really the companion to uh, MySQL for Dummies. If you made it through MySQL for Dummies, you got a year or two experience in SQL. Man, um, SQL for Smarties by Joe Selko is just a wonderful book. You know, and I, I've written a couple of technical books. My problem is when I write a book, I've got one idea and I want to communicate this one concept. My books tend to be uh, 10 to 12,000 words, not huge tomes, but like my using the WordPress REST API you know, with source code samples that are included in the book. And I don't put them all in the book, but with the source code samples in there, it's, pages, I think. I'm sorry. It's about 40 pages, I think. Yeah, well, um, SiteGround printed it, but they printed it eight and a half by 11. It's about 15, 16,000 words. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's about, you know, I, I shoot for that. The difference between a blog post and a book when, I, when it comes to communicating one idea is the amount of work I'm going to go, I'm going to put into making it clear. I mean, I've written tutorials. Tutorial length blog posts are about 2,500, 3,000 words. And, yeah. you know... I do a lot of, here's what you have to do. When I write a book, I not only say, here's what you have to do, I say, here's why you do it. And the book's going to help you get a deeper understanding. But from an author's point of view, it requires a lot more effort. And Mm -hmm. every time I do um, books, I've always got to get my editor, Karen, uh, Kara uh, Ferguson. She's got to get involved. And, um, you know, my WordPress REST API book, Started out as 20,000 words, and then Kara got a hold of it. So, uh, you know, she keeps going, you don't need this, don't need this. And uh, to her credit, it's a much better book because she got involved. Um, but the amount of effort that goes into a book versus a blog post is, um, is an order of magnitude or more um, work to do that book. Indeed. Um, yeah, most definitely. And our next Recommended tip for engineers is, well, or are communities and oh, yeah. the importance of communities and how important they are for professional development. Cal, both you and I have been heavily involved in certain communities. I've spent most of the time over the past, say, seven to eight years in the WordPress one. You're also pretty active in the WordPress community, but uh, one of the 
much most recognized figures in the PHP world. So why do you think communities are so important for engineers of all types, from juniors to senior architects? And we're even going to exclude hiring in that particular case, but like, why are they important to culture, to learning habits, to everything around that? Um, because they give you access to, or give you exposure to different concepts uh, and different ideas. And yes, I'm very active in PHP and I'm somewhat active in WordPress, but I'm active in my local West Palm Beach technical community in general. We have a Slack channel for just, you know, developers, designers, freelancers, you know, everybody that's involved in tech in the area. You know, we, we sit and talk to each other, whether you're a freelancer or you, um, you know, you, you a, a cube monkey for a, um, a corporation, you can hang out in there with us and we talk to each other and we, you know, we see each other at the different um, specialized meetups and everything. Uh, we try to get together once a year, usually around Christmas and um, take over a bar and just have fun and talk, talk tech. But it's important to be involved in more than just your narrow niche of a community. You need exposure to those other ideas. Um, now, that's not to say that I go hang out um, with the Python community every night. You know, uh, we don't have a lot to talk about. But when I run into Python developers at these other events, we talk shop. And we, there's enough concepts there that um, we can share that I learn something every time I talk to a Python developer or a JavaScript developer. It, you know, when my wife's doing HTML, she'll teach me something new every time she's got a rubber duck a problem, you know, she'll walk through it and I come out smarter because of it. Every time you can get yourself exposed to different technologies and different concepts, you're going to win. Um, and your overall community is going to win because not only will you take, but you will give whether you know it or not. Knowing is cool. Sharing knowledge is even cooler. In my book, Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers, I share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice I've learned. Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash Uncle Cal. I want to share this knowledge with you. Wonderful. Um, yeah, community serve. Extremely helpful and not just from a technical standpoint. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm going to kind of wrap up as a, as a wrapping point on communities is back in the day when I was more active into WordPress, there was an um, invite-only event called Community Summit. So I attended, my first one was in San Francisco, I believe in 2013 or 2014, along those lines. So I attended Community Summit and this is an invite-only shopper the most active, so to speak, 150 people or so. And gathering there to discuss the future of WordPress and some of the common problems with problems like multilingual or internationalization for bumping up the PHP version of the software, things like this. And everyone came with a really strong opinion why we should do or we shouldn't do something. But when you gather some of the most active people in the community from different fields and in different ecosystems, or I'm not it's not really ecosystems, it's like different lines of business. It becomes a very diverse and rich and invaluable conversation. Like, for example, I come and say, well, we have to bump uh, WordPress to PHP 7, you know, just because it's cool to code awesome programming code with the latest technical stack. And then the 
uh, let's say the support folks come and say, well, we can't bear all the support tickets from stuff that's broken. The hosting community comes and says, well, guess what? We have so many people who run galleries and something else on top of their blog, and this isn't really supporting anything above 5.2, which is why we can't upgrade. Then someone else can say, well, we can't do that for accessibility purposes because ABC. Then someone else says, well, from a networking standpoint, this won't last because X, Y, Z, right? So when you gather so many people, and, and this is a great example of community in general, when you gather so many people with different thoughts and opinions, you get a really diverse explanation of why something isn't happening, what are the blockers, and why it takes so long to actually push within this direction. And you end up with a clearance or, or with a, you know, you're uh, kind of reaching to an understanding with yourself as to, okay, I still agree that this is the right direction. For example, I understand the challenges. This is why I'm going to work even harder to making sure we all work together into accomplishing that. Yeah, totally agree. So what's next on our topic? Oh, hey, top expert. Well, we talked about, uh, we, we touched on this. Um, top mm -hmm. experts read at least five hours a week. Um, yeah, I, I, I said earlier, um, in, when you're talking about fiction, great writers read more than they write. And um, I, I understand why, you know, the reading is important. You, you should be investing more time in learning new stuff than actually applying that. Indeed. And um, kind of this was something that I actually added here. So some of the most influential people on in the universe were like the, the richest people in the world, like uh, Bill Gates and uh, Richard Branson and uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, all of them have shared that they spend at least five hours a week on reading. You know, like we can perceive them as the most successful. One. We can perceive them as people who have accomplished pretty much everything and they can uh, pretty much lead their grand grand grandparents, uh, sorry, kids through retirement and everyone else in their extended family because they have been there, they have done that, which is great. But even the most successful people, they understand that this is just the beginning of the journey. Uh, I think Aristotle or someone else has said, the more I learn, the more I realize uh, that I don't really know anything, right? I'm kind mm -hmm. of paraphrasing now. And again, the, the case in point is when you start you read a little bit and say, well, okay, I kind of get the idea. The more you dive in, the more you understand, well, okay, but this could be implemented in 50 different ways. Oh, hey, I also have to have a database. Okay, it suddenly gets more complicated. I have to close that, close that on a web server. I don't know how to do that. I don't know Linux. I don't know this. And then I need microservices. Well, I have no experience with that. And I need to deploy it in a you know, uh, containerized environment with Docker. Well, I don't know that either. So over time, you understand how broad the space is and how much you actually have to learn in order to get better. So yeah. best case scenario, you put your ego aside and you become teachable, you become coachable, you become someone who is ready to keep learning over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. That's why even the most, uh, even the top people in the world, so to speak, are spending daily time on reading. And as yeah. Kyle just said, uh, those uh, kind of the best writers are actually spending a lot more time reading than writing because it, it has this added value at the end of the day. So this translates to software engineering because you have to code regularly. Kyle, what's your kind of wrapping thought on, on just daily coding and why is this important for... Uh, oh, it, it's very important. And I've been at points in my career where I was, um, I've been all the way up to the C-level um, in organizations and 
especially in those situations, when I would come home at night or on the weekends, I would write code because part of me, that's, that's my creative outlet and I was missing that. But the other part was, um, you know, I, I, I don't want those skills to atrophy. And, you know, if you don't use a muscle, that muscle stops growing and that muscle will atrophy and it's much harder to use it again. You've got to build it back up later. And the same goes with your coding. If you stop coding for a while, which there are valid reasons why you're not coding, but it's going to be harder to get back into it. So if you do a little bit a day, even if you can only dedicate 30 minutes or an hour to it every day, that's a whole lot better than just stopping coding and trying to come back in in three months. So um, daily writing code should be uh, paramount for everyone who either is a developer, aspires to be a developer, or once was a developer and wants to keep their hand in it. Absolutely. Um, I remember back uh, back in the day. So, as I said in the previous in the previous episode, I have dealt with music for a continuous period of time. I've had some breaks from playing the piano for about a year and a half, and it was almost no problem to get back to playing the piano. And as people say, whenever you don't ride the bike long enough, this gets forgotten. This is not really the case. You can catch up more or less easily, but there is a drawback, or you need some time to catch up even if you have to ride a bike at the end yeah. of the day. And back in the day, I went to one of the greatest trumpetists in my country. After a gig, we were actually just playing in the same venue. So I said, hey, I'm really interested in trumpet. It looks awesome. I've never really played one of those instruments, trumpet or sax. I said, what should I do? I said, well, look, it, it works a little bit differently. With a piano, with a guitar, with a bass, you can, you can take a break for a week or two, even a month, even a couple of months, and, and then get back to it and just catch up in a couple of days. With trumpet, it's a bit different due to the mouthpiece because the mouthpiece is actually something you need to practice with every single day. Yeah. Because there's a specific shape of your lips that takes, it, it looks more or less like a duck face. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but it, you know, <laughs> kind of, that's kind of how it looks if you take a look at a trumpetist. And mm -hmm. Looks like this, but it's something that's really hard to develop. And it takes a while. Otherwise, you simply won't be able to produce the right amount of air flowing through the musical instrument. Yeah. So he pretty much said, if you're going through a vacation or a business trip or so, you have to find the right mouthpiece. You have to bring it with you. And you have to practice for about 30 minutes every single day. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you're you know, basically, you don't have to start. So um, again, I never became good at trumpet due to that specific reason. But, but development is not as different. Of course, you can take breaks just as you can do with bike or so, but taking extended breaks means that you are going to put, you're not going to put your skills to a good use. And it's yeah. going to be harder and harder for you to develop them, especially in the early days. And there is a popular uh, hashtag, especially over the past two or three years, which is hashtag 100 days of code, mm -hmm. uh, which I believe is from... Um, free code camp, maybe, even though I may be mistaken. And they're trying to organize those challenges. You know, whatever you do, just make sure you write code for 100 days in a row. Yep. Maybe well, we're about to go into October, which is Hacktoberfest, which is oh, yeah, you know, the true. same basic concept, you know. Um, just get involved and um, spend 30 days writing code and fixing problems for other projects. Yes, thanks for reminding me that too. Uh, and there are some of those challenges that are wonderful because you have a community of people you can always type in, you know, first off, just uh, look up Oktoberfest because, you know, it's kind of a, a kind of major event. Look up 100 days of code too. You can find lots of people who are just coding every single day and sharing. You say, wow, I cannot skip this day. This is kind of the community part that we just discussed a bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So this 
is a, a wonderful way to just develop your skills and become better at what you do and just keep yourself up to speed. So uh, again, as a remark, make sure you plan for your weekly schedule or like it, it doesn't have to be weekly, could be some stuff you do daily, some stuff you do weekly, some stuff you do monthly or every quarter you hit at least one meetup event or at least one conference in your city, whatever it is, just make sure you engage in some of those communities. Mm -hmm. It is a humble experience that will meet you with some wonderful people in your community, people who are experienced in different lines of work different skills, different technologies, and it's something that will educate you directly and indirectly and just help you realize how broad the world is. Uh, so yeah, make sure you do that. It will help you quite a lot. It will help you to shape your weekly routine in a way that keeps you pacing forward instead of uh, being stalled in the very same uh, place for weeks or even months in a row. And this will lead to a better and a higher satisfaction at work solving your problems better, easier, with less effort, and being able to go to the next uh, steps of your career development too. So yeah, that's all for now. Uh, thank you everyone for listening or watching to NoBS Engineering. Kao and I are extremely happy to be organizing this show and talking about some of those incredible concepts that we have to deal with uh, on a daily basis with some of the folks we work with, with uh, employees, with colleagues, with partners, with bosses, with managers, with vendors, with everyone else. We're just trying to gather what is wrong in the IT industry for juniors and for some of the passionate people who want to get better and better. And we are trying to solve those problems. So if you like this, uh, please go to iTunes, uh, put a five-star review and a comment if you have anything else to add or uh, text us on NoBS Engineering on Twitter or at Kyle Evans as well. There, any thoughts, any ideas, any feedback is more than welcome. We are always open to new topics and suggestions. So yeah, rate, subscribe, make sure you follow us. If you do enjoy the show, we really appreciate your support and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your uh, honest feedback. So keep pushing it always and always. Thanks again and uh, see you next time. Bye-bye.